The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five cyber summit on deck. Top tech CEOs heading to the White House to talk cybersecurity. But is there any real way to stop all the recent hack attacks? Meme stock madness back in vogue as AMD, GameStop, and the like all look to add to a late session surge yesterday. Deals in D.C. House Democrats breaking a stalemate over President Biden's more than $3 trillion new spending plan. Goldman Sachs throwing down the hammer when it comes to COVID vaccinations at its American offices. Grab some meatballs and maybe go get a screwdriver because Ikea may be making one of its biggest store changes ever. It's all happening on this Wednesday, August 25th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world. You may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Wednesday morning. Let's get right to it. See if this record-breaking rally will roll on today, and right now, it looks like it will. Futures they are higher again, not by up, by much, but they're in the green nonetheless. Dow features up an entire five, but we're watching more big tech. Big tech, the Nasdaq, futures up 20 points right now. Again, more than the Dow. And you know, we are coming off more new records. The S&P 500 just continues to amaze. Coming off now, it's 50th record close of the year and 62nd all-time intraday high yesterday. Now, small caps, they'd been feeling left out, but finally kind of decided to join the party this week. After a 2% gain on Monday, the Russell 2000 seeing another 1% move higher yesterday. That was its third straight winning session. Still well off the pace of the other indexes, but small caps, we've got our eyes on you. And as the CEOs of Apple, Google, Amazon, and more head to the White House today to talk about the growing threat of ransomware attacks, we are watching the cybersecurity ETF. Maybe not surprisingly now, coming off a fresh record high, all-time closing high as well. Got names like Palo Alto, CrowdStrike, and Splunk all help pushing it up, up, and up. Year-to-date, in fact, that uh, cybersecurity ETF up 13.5%. Let's check markets around the world. Asia, overnight, again, we're seeing a lot of green on the screen Not a whole lot there in terms of the Hang Seng, but look at the Shanghai Composite, up three quarters of 1%. Japan was, I mean, we'll call it unchanged, down three one-hundredths of 1%. And let's check out the European rally in the early going as well. Spin the old globe and find out how the European markets are doing. They are mixed to mostly higher. All right, we will get more on the markets in a moment. But first, let us prep you for the day with some of the key headlines that are happening right now, including... Another big bank telling its employees, you get the jab or you go home. Bertha Coombs is here and joins us with more. Bertha, good morning. 
Hey, good morning, Brian. The U.S. Department of Energy is reportedly nearing a deal to buy a supercomputer made with chips from NVIDIA and AMD as the department waits for an even larger supercomputer from Intel that's been delayed for months. According to Reuters, the joint NVIDIA-AMD machine called Polaris will not be a replacement for the Intel-based computer. Instead, it will serve as a testing platform for key software and hardware that the government plans to run on the Intel supercomputer upon its completion. Meantime, Goldman Sachs is now telling employees that as of yesterday, anyone entering its U.S. offices must be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. According to an internal memo, the bank is also requiring that masks be worn in its office regardless of vaccination status starting today. Fully vaccinated employees will also start receiving weekly COVID tests starting September 17th or just after Labor Day. And China is reopening its Meishan terminal after a two-week shutdown triggered by workers testing positive for COVID-19. That terminal, the world's third busiest port, is a key linchpin for the global supply chain and routes through Asia and the Pacific. This was the second closure of a port terminal in China this year due to a COVID outbreak after the month-long shutdown of Yantian port in late May. And Brian, you know, retailers like Urban Outfitters, uh, Adidas, uh, Foot Locker are talking about the shutdown in Vietnam impacting supplies with factories there shut because of a COVID outbreak. Bertha, let me ask you, have you finished your Christmas shopping yet? Because I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Shop early and often. No. If there's a hot product that you've got your eye on for yourself, well, maybe you're not supposed to buy yourself gifts for family, friends, kids, parents, whatever. <laughs> get it now. These supply chain issues, even with that terminal back up and running, we're going to see some of these Christmas gifts rolling in in March. Bertha, thank you very much. Yeah, it's going to be tight. All right, see more, Bertha, in just a few minutes. Yeah, no kidding. All right, back down to the markets. And it has been said that Maybe nothing else matters for the overall markets and your money than the Federal Reserve. As the Federal Reserve goes or does, so do your stocks. Your next guest pointing out there is a very interesting correlation between the S&P 500 and the Fed's balance sheet. We would expect nothing less of Sven Henrik. He is the founder and lead market strategist at Northman Trader, always outspoken and glad to have him back on. Sven it's good to have you back on. I mean, you know, I, I, we follow your stuff, obviously, on social constantly. It's been the most hated rally ever the last few years, but a rally nonetheless. But does it really all come down to the size of the Fed's balance sheet? Hi, Brian. Good to be with you. Well, at the end of the day, you know, markets are bombarded with all kinds of information and variables be it slowing growth, for example, or rising growth, or what have you, or of course, you know, China dropping, you know, into a bear market. None of these things matter. There's one constant in the market, and it has been like this since November. In fact, uh, every month that the Fed balance sheet makes a new highs, the S and P follows tick for tack, and that's been going on. And at the same time, it maintains a very steady trend. And as as every time that trend gets tagged with precision. You know, we, we see a rally on the same day, no less. We see it now in the last four months, uh, every time on the 19th and the 18th. So the market remains completely disconnected from anything else but those two constants. And the Fed balance sheet is one of them. Absolutely. 
Well, what's amazing about that is you're pointing to the actual days of the month, Sven. We have talked on this show, and I can't speak for other shows, but on this show, we have sort of hammered the idea of options. You've all, we've all had to become options experts, options experts. I mean, I think that tends to be driving a lot of this volume. And it is amazing when you point to certain days, how much, maybe if at all, do options also matter right now? Oh, it's it's a big factor, of course. You know, we have all these the gamma uh, fade going on at the same time, and options expirations each month. And the dates I just mentioned, the 18th and 19th, in the last four months, have actually uh, coincided roughly with monthly options expirations. So obviously, we know there's a lot of algorithmic trading and program trading going on in markets as well. And as long as the liquidity equation continues to drive everything higher. Uh, you, you actually see markets devolve into a program that runs on its own, right? It's not only the 19th that we're seeing the bottoms. In the last three months, we've also seen kind of the peaks of each of these lift move or drift higher moves on the 14th and the 16th. So it's it's a very steady program that runs no matter what happens in the world. And that, that is so incredible. I mean, you think about being able to maybe, you know, professional traders or even non-professional traders just spotting trends, listening to guys like you and saying, hey, wait a minute, all this gamma hedging and all this option stuff around these days, it starts to whatever, let's jump in. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, does it not? It does, and therein lies also a little bit of the danger because I think everybody's trained to just react to 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 the steadiness of it all. Uh, the danger I see are a couple of things. First of all, this trend is extremely steep, and as a result of this steep trend, it needs you know really needs to maintain be maintained because if it breaks, then you can have a large technical reaction because it is so steep we are seeing shallower and shallower dips each time around because it has a certain angle to it, right? And last week was a classic example. The same week when the Fed's balance sheet again made a new high, the S&P made a new high, but then we had that drop into the 19th and it stopped right at that trend, right? So it's, it's very critical that this continues to sustain itself. Now, you can argue if it just keeps going, you know, you can end up mathematically at 48.33 by Christmas, uh, by the end of the year. Uh, but watch out because one time, you know, that trend breaks. And we've seen that a number of times in recent years. We saw it in 2018, 2019, and in 2020, obviously, with, with COVID hitting. Once these patterns get ever, ever tighter, once you do have a sustained break, you, yeah. you can see an avalanche of selling coming in. Hasn't happened yet. None, nothing has mattered so far but this program. So I think it's really key to watch how this evolves. Been 202 trading sessions since a 5% drawdown, you know, and then to your point, Sven, we get these 15% declines in three weeks. I don't know if that's healthy. Honestly, I'd rather see a 5% drawdown every couple months than once a year get destroyed. Well, this is this is the what the excess of of monetary policy brings, right? I mean, we we not only have you know obviously the steady uptrend, but we have the largest disconnect of asset prices from the economy ever. And and as, as long as you can run that separate program, if you will, disconnect it, uh, I guess supposedly it's it's fine. But I, you know, I've been a critic on 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 all this because it drives wealth inequality to a unprecedented yeah. degree. Eighty nine percent of stocks are owned by the top ten percent. And actually, Princeton came out with a study and said that, you know, this this wealth inequality is inefficient for the economy because 
ultimately the the very rich are saving this is money does not make it into the real economy now we're getting to the point where the fed actually is bringing about inflation in housing and food prices and what what have you and who pays for that who gets hurt by that and it's the bottom 50% that do not benefit from these big rallies in yeah. stock markets yeah and and if you think prices are ever going to come down in a meaningful way you maybe don't realize how retail or business works Sven Henrik, exactly. Growth Man Trader, always a pleasure to get you back on, Sven. You have a great day. Thank you very much. Great to be with you, Brian. Thank Isn't you. Amazing, folks. Oh, you're very welcome. The 18th and 19th, we talk about it a lot. All this gamma hedging, all the options stuff. It sounds wonky. Maybe it's WBI, wonky but important. All right. When we come back, from the North Man to the Nordstrom, why the luxury retailer is still struggling to find its way. Stock down 8.5% right now. President Biden sticking with his plan for Afghanistan evacuations, even as the situation continues to deteriorate on the ground. We'll get a live report from Washington ahead. Later, to the border, and the Supreme Court holding up a rule over immigration from Mexico. A very busy hour still ahead of Worldwide Exchange returns. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. All right, that time of the show now for your big money movies. The three key stock stories happening right now. Stock number one is Nordstrom. Now, results, they beat forecast, and it raised its revenue guidance for the year. But sales were down 6% from pre-pandemic levels. Investors didn't like that. And Nordstrom also flagging, you guessed it, supply chain problems ahead of Christmas, saying it simply cannot stock enough things like women's shoes and clothing for its Nordstrom Rack clothes. I'm not kidding. Do your Christmas shopping now. Stock number two, Toll Brothers. The home builder reporting better than expected second quarter earnings. Although sales did come in just a touch shy of estimates. Company hitting a record high in new home contracts, though. All as construction booms. And the Toll says the demand range remains very high for new build stock. Up a little, up about 2%. And stock number three, another retailer. This one... Urban Outfitters down 5%, even as the numbers came in a little better than expected. Same store sales up 22%, mostly, though, driven by big growth in online sales. Another case, perhaps, of good, just not good enough. Still, the stock is up 11% over three months. All right, still on deck. IKEA's big remodel, new Vax freebies, and maybe call these uh, McDonald's McShortages. Your trending stories on WEX returns. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. 
All right, welcome back now to more on the continuing humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. And despite it, President Biden sticking with his August 31st deadline to evacuate American troops and key personnel from Afghanistan. This after a meeting with G7 leaders as the number of those trying to flee Kabul airport surges past 70,000 under the growing threat of terrorist attacks. NBC's Jay Gray joining us now from Washington with more. Jay. Yeah, and Brian, look, those G7 leaders as well as uh, lawmakers from both parties here in Washington had asked the president to extend that deadline, but citing growing threats and the stepped-up pace of those evacuations, he says it will stand for now, though he does acknowledge the situation is still very fluid. Transport flights are leaving the Kamal Airport every 45 minutes now. In 24 hours, more than 21,000 people have been evacuated. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. The sooner we can finish, the better. President Biden standing by his deadline for U.S. forces to leave Afghanistan, acknowledging there are growing terror threats targeting the evacuation mission. Every day we're on the ground is another day we know that ISIS-K is seeking to target the airport and attack both U.S. and allied forces and innocent civilians. But after a classified briefing on the situation, Republicans and some within his own party worry six days isn't enough time to get everyone out. It's hard for me to imagine all of that can be accomplished between now and the end of the month. He will have blood on his hands. People are going to die and they're going to be left behind. Satellite images show the crowds that continue to gather around the airstrip. Chaos there and the constant pressure of Taliban fighters on most every street corner in the capital city, making it difficult, and the Pentagon says at times dangerous for thousands of stranded Americans to get to the airport. It's a tenuous situation. We already had some uh, gunfighting break out. We run a serious risk of it breaking down as time goes on. Another reason the president says he's sticking to his deadline, while also asking advisors to prepare contingency plans to stay longer if necessary. Yeah, and look, another factor in all of this is the Taliban warning that there would be consequences if that deadline was extended. In fact, Brian, leaders now saying publicly, and I'm quoting here, we are not in favor of allowing Afghans to leave. So a, a very tense situation there on the ground. Yeah, and I read in the New York Times that another Taliban leader, Jay, was telling women to stay home because some yep. of the other Taliban had not been trained to deal with women outside of the house. So very scary situation there. Yeah. Jay Gray, NDC, thank you. All right, so let's get a check down on some of this morning's other top headlines, mostly stateside. And for those, NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning to you. We start with the reports of the so-called Havana syndrome that caused a brief delay in Vice President's arrival to Vietnam. At least two U.S. diplomats are being evacuated from Hanoi after experiencing strange hearing incidents at their homes. The mysterious Havana syndrome, which first emerged in Cuba in 2017, has also been linked to balance and cognitive issues. These new cases are not the first to be reported in Vietnam. The Trump-era immigration policy known as Remain in Mexico is set to be reinstated. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court denied the Biden administration's request to pause the program. It forces people to wait in Mexico while seeking asylum in the U.S. The Justice Department asked the court last week to delay its reinstatement. The policy was suspended by President Biden on his first day in office and terminated by the Homeland Security Department back in June. 
One of the most iconic album covers in rock history, that one right there, is at the center of a new lawsuit. Spencer Eldon is the baby in front of Nirvana's 1991 juggernaut, Nevermind. So he's now an adult suing the surviving members of the band, claiming it was child pornography and that he couldn't consent to the use of his image. According to court documents, Eldon claims to have suffered lifelong damages and that his legal guardians never signed a release. He is seeking $150,000 from each defendant. A busy week for Kanye West as he's working on a little more than an upcoming album. West filed paperwork in L.A. to change his full name to Ye. That's his longtime nickname, citing personal reasons in the documents. A judge would have to approve it officially to change it. Meanwhile, West is setting up a replica of his childhood home in the middle of Soldier Field in his hometown of Chicago. West is holding a listening party at the stadium tomorrow in that house. Brian, those are your headlines. Yeah, every day it's something new. Francis Mm -hmm. Rivera, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I did not know who the kid on the album cover was until just now. Lifelong damages. Yeah, Yeah, lifelong damage. And I see we smudged out a certain part of the album cover. Let's Mm -hmm. move on. All right, now let's get to some of today's top trending stories, which include a milkshake shortage, Ikea's new groove, and a double donut deal. Bertha Coombs, I feel like I'm sort of hosting Jeopardy, right? Like, I'll take... Uh, what are the McDonald's shortages for Well, you know, that, that slot is open. That slot is open. You know, Brian, in honor of the late Charlie Watts and the Rolling Stones, it seems the theme song this year is you can't always get what you want. McDonald's has now run out of milkshakes in the U.K. The fast food chain saying it is facing supply chain issues impacting over a thousand stores in England, Scotland and Wales. The company confirming the milkshake issue was due in part to a nationwide shortage of truck drivers. Meantime, IKEA is testing out a new store arrangement, or several of them, that do away with the maze of aisles that the store is known for in a bid to build what they describe as the store of tomorrow. The furniture warehouse opening a, quote, future store in Shanghai that includes an open floor plan and a theater-like space where IKEA hopes people will hang out with friends. Customers will also be able to scan items for purchase with their phone. Meantime, Krispy Kreme is sweetening its sweet deal for the rest of the summer, announcing it will now give two free donuts every day to any person who shows their vaccine card. The deluxe freebie only lasts until September 5th on Labor Day, back to normal. But Krispy Kreme says it will continue the normal giveaway until at least the end of the year. So far, more than two and a half million donuts have been handed out through that deal. And a quick look at the top tickers trending on CNBC.com right now. Krispy Kreme, not one of them. Ten-year note, Prologis, AMC, it's got to be there. Alibaba and Tesla. Brian? Yeah, the meme stops are back. We got John and Jerry coming up in a few minutes to talk about that. And I'm always amazed that you got all these hot names and, and somewhere on the list are bond yields. And I and I am just like, why? I, I don't I don't know. Because oh. if you are looking to refinance your mortgage or get a new mortgage, you watch that tenure like a hawk. Very, I make it makes sense. It makes sense, but it's like up there with like AMC and these sort of 
you think of it as sort of a new thing because yields don't move that much. I get your point. You're probably right. Look what Toll Brothers said. Bertha yep. Coombs, thank you very much. Yep. Old man yells at clouds. All right, straight ahead. <laughs> From grocery stores to gas pumps, a new report on the sticker shock that all of you now say you're facing. Plus, an exclusive view from the C-suite, a global consulting and accounting firm Eisenramper when it comes to returning to work and M&A. We'll be right back. Futures like prices. They're higher. Will this juggernaut rally just keep powering on? Looks like it. Futures, they're higher. As the S&P 500 hits an incredible milestone, the Nasdaq breaks another record. And John Najarian is here to break it all down. House Democrats breaking that inter-party stalemate. Push through the president's multi-trillion dollar new social spending plan. And the White House calling on private sector to come up with a strategy to help combat the rising threat of cyber attacks. It is 5.30 a.m. on the nose. And this is CNBC. Oh, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brian. All right, here's how your money and investments look as we are exactly halfway through the 5 a.m. hour right now in futures. They are up, as we just said, not a big up. They're not soaring. There's none of those words, but they are in the green nonetheless. NASDAQ up 22, Dow up 19. So once again, we're seeing the NASDAQ, smaller index, actually have a higher nominal gain than the Dow this morning. Well, the S&P 500 making an incredible 50th new record high on Tuesday. The NASDAQ just blasting right through 15,000. More on that, your RBI coming up. Trader stocks, once again, a big part of this run. And it all begins with who else? GameStop. After a rather, dare we say, boring beginning to the session, GameStop suddenly caught fire, surging more than 27%. Look at that move. That's yesterday by the hour, around 1 p.m., boom, to the moon. You could see that GameStop didn't end on its highs, but still, what a rocket ship there. And it wasn't just GameStop going for a ride. AMC, Robinhood, Clover Health, and more also surging yesterday you have a meme stock. It was probably up on Tuesday. All right, John and Jared will be along with talking about more on this action and maybe how the options market, once again, is playing into all this as well. John will be up here in just a couple of moments. All right, now let's get back to some of this morning's other top headlines, including House Democrats working out their differences to advance the president's economic agenda. Bertha is back with those headlines and more. Bertha, long time no see. <laughs> That's right, Brian. Thank you very much. Democrats uh, are breaking that stalemate with centrist party members to advance the three and a half trillion dollar budget resolution and more than one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. The House approving those measures in a 220 to 212 party line vote late last night. Democrats are not completely out of the woods yet, though. They still have to write the budget bill that will get support from both centrists, who will likely try to trim the $3.5 trillion price tag, and progressives. The House also approving a major voting rights measure, but that bill faces a difficult road ahead in the Senate. 
Tesla and Moderna topping the list of hedge funds' favorite stocks to short as that investment strategy makes a comeback following the meme stock route earlier this year. Goldman Sachs has put together a list of the S&P 500 stocks with the highest total dollar value of short interest outstanding at the end of June. Tesla topping that list, followed by S&P Global, Moderna and Netflix. Aon rounding out the top five. And an overwhelming number of American adults say that they've been hit by price hikes this year. According to a new survey from Bankrate, 89% of those polled say higher prices have hit their wallets hard. Groceries filling up the gas tank and dining out at a restaurant among the areas where consumers are seeing the biggest sticker shock. The poll also finding that older consumers were more likely to report price increases than younger ones. You know, what's interesting, Brian, is we're seeing all these categories are moving up. And what used to be the big inflation driver, healthcare costs, has been a lot lower in terms of price growth than everything else, albeit coming from a very high price level. Yeah, I think I said yesterday I was in the hardware store yesterday buying something and the manager I was talking to said she said to raise prices twice in the last week. And she's like, I'm not talking about 15 cents. I'm talking about four and five dollar price hikes on certain items. I made the mistake of buying some seafood last night. It's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday to her. We had kind of a seafood dinner. Happy birthday. Might have to bail off the seafood lately. I know you're from Massachusetts. I mean, I (laughs) want to help those up in Gloucester. But wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's tough when you're you're going for lobster, right? Oh, by, by the way, speaking of Gloucester, if you haven't seen the movie Coda on Apple Plus, I'm just calling it right now. If it doesn't win Best Picture, it'll at least be nominated. I may or may not have been crying at the end. Just throwing that out there. C-O-D-A, <laughs> CODA, set in Gloucester. Bertha, thank you. I know the Gorton or Mrs. Paul is not in it. All right. The Biden administration is calling on the private sector to help combat the growing threat of cyber attacks. CEOs from Apple, Google, Microsoft, as well as J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and others are set to gather at the White House today to try to talk about a potential plan to figure out how to stop all these hack attacks. Eamon Javers joining us now on the CNBC Newsline with a preview. I mean, Eamon, if you're in that meeting, and maybe a hacker will be, if you know what I mean, what do you think is going to be agenda number one? Well, look, Brian, the the goal here is to figure out how the United States broadly can respond to this wave of ransomware attacks and other uh, hacks, including, you know, IP theft from major tech companies. So there's going to be a lot on the table here. Uh, And the the question, the the big question as a country is, can the government and the private sector come together in some effective way to respond to this? Uh, Part of the reason why the hackers have been so successful in recent years uh, is really because the response has been fragmented. It's not clear in the United States who's responsible for what piece uh, and who can take what action. The goal of this meeting is to sort of resolve some of those high-level uh, questions and then also come together with some uh, you know, detailed, specific points for how they're going to respond to these in the future. And if you look at that list of who's attending, uh, it's, it's really an all-star list of CEOs. We've got a wall graphic for you. You know, it's Tim Cook, it's Satya Nadella of Microsoft, Sundar Pichai of Alphabet, 
Andy Jaffe of Amazon, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan, Brian Moynihan of Bank of America, Alan Schnitzer of Travelers, Lynn Good of Duke Energy, uh, and Dr. Tarika Barrett of Girls Who Code. So some nonprofits in there as well. But this is, you know, American industry writ large uh, coming to the table with the Biden administration and trying to figure out a solution to this. The, the, the question that I've got uh, in this, in going into this today is, you know, what are they going to do that they haven't done so far? And, and that's the big unknown. All right, I have two questions then. Bat, you've got questions. I've got questions, Eamon. I'm going to fire them at you. Number one, is the meeting in person or is it virtual? Because if it's virtual, I, I would hope a, a cybersecurity meeting would be very secure from a cyber perspective. Number two, what, if any, actual firm, hard takeaways are we going to actually get? Or is this going to be a lot of talk? There's going to be a, a big piece of this. Is, and I don't know that everybody is going to be on site, but a lot of these people are going to be physically at the White House today. So this is a, a different thing in the era of COVID, where we're actually going to see people gathering on the White House campus. So that's something to watch for there. And then your question about takeaways is a good one. Uh, we do know that the companies. Uh, are being asked to have deliverables here and, and to put out some specific proposals uh, that they will uh, announce later today. So this is something to watch for throughout the day. Uh, I'll, some of this has been pre-programmed. There are announcements coming. We don't know exactly what they are. White House officials are a little coy about that. Um, but my question on those announcements is, are we going to see real dollars put behind this? Are we going to see a real change in policy? Or are we going to see, you know, a lot of window dressing from some of these companies uh, as they sort of try to respond uh, with the optics to what the White House is pushing for, uh, but not really with anything significant? And, and we're just going to have to wait and, and see throughout the day. Eamon Javers covering that big cybersecurity summit, most of which in person at the White House. Eamon, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. All right, coming up, the CEO, you're welcome. The CEO of Eisenramper is here on the biggest concerns that business leaders have about returning to the office, even as some companies have pushed it back until 2022. That's ahead. Before we do that, nope, we're not going to get more of your top stories. We're back right after this. Dow Futures up 12. All right, welcome back. Well, if you are an investment banker, you are probably printing money right now because deal-making has been on fire. Companies are being bought and sold like baseball cards. In fact, through the first half of the year, there was $1.7 trillion combined domestic merger and ac- acquisition activity, the highest level in nearly 40 years. Also, for companies that did go virtual, they're having now to deal with a return to the office. And they have got concerns. Joining us now in a Worldwide Exchange exclusive to talk about both is Eisenramper CEO, Charlie Weinstein. Charlie, it's good to have you back on. First, before we get to back to the office, for those that, that did go virtual, deal making. Oh, my gosh. I mean, any banker or lawyer you know in the space, I mean, is lighting 20s with their hundreds. Uh, any sign that it's slowing down? Uh, good morning, Brian. Uh, there is absolutely no sign that it's slowing down. And as a matter of fact, uh, Eisner Amper is a, a participant in that marketplace. We recently completed uh, an investment by Towerbrook Capital Partners into our own business. And so we're seeing it from our clients. And of course, now we're seeing it firsthand as well. Very, uh, very, very uh, active deal market. Is it just Charlie 
low rates? Or do you really believe these companies are seeing intrinsic value in their purchases? Because if they are, then something changed from when it was a little bit slower a couple of years ago. And what that is, maybe you know, because I don't. Well, uh, what we're seeing is opportunities for disruption and, and low rates. Yes, of course, of fueling uh, this current trend. Uh, but what we're seeing uh, across our client base and, and indeed for ourselves is the opportunity to take advantage of disruption in different markets and, and to create growth, really to create uh, tremendous value. If companies uh, can transform themselves in this marketplace, they can create tremendous value for their private equity sponsors and, and also for themselves. Yeah, and also a big part of the deal-making, Charlie, had been the, the Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation, better known as SPACs, our viewer. I mean, it was two or three a day a few months ago. They have slowed down, but they're not gone yet. What does your crystal ball say about where the SPAC market may be headed? My crystal ball says that there are hundreds of SPACs with uh, a tremendous amount of capital looking to do deals. And they will be very, very active in the marketplace. And to the extent that those deals turn out to be successful, it's quite possible that SPACs are here to stay. All right, now let's talk about return to the office, Charlie. I know we're kind of doing a, a strange pivot there, but, and by the way, I want to always say, and every time I hear this all the time, a lot of companies never went virtual. I got friends in South Carolina and Florida and other places, they, they never did go into an office. But for that said, for the people that are still virtual, dates are being pushed back. You're a CEO yourself, by the way, so you're dealing with this and advising clients on it. What are we hearing about the return to the office? I could tell you a little bit about Eisner Amper's return to the office and, and how that's impacting us. But first, I'll just take a moment to tell you about the survey we did of mid-market CEOs, and that is amongst their key concerns. And their, their concerns rest around sort of this is two aspects. One, um, in the new virtual remote hybrid world, do they need to offer that option to keep their best employees? And then on the other side, how can they effectively create culture and community in their businesses uh, in a hybrid or virtual model? And so that is right up there in terms of the key concerns of the mid-market CEOs that we recently surveyed. For Eisner Amper, we faced the same questions. Uh, we were intent on coming back to the office after Labor Day on a hybrid model, two to three days a week for our people. Learning in our profession is best done in person. Um, however, uh, the timing is not right. It's just not safe yet. And so we've pushed that out and we'll come back to the office and we'll bring our people back when it's safe to do so. Mm. Yeah, transport levels in, in Manhattan and other big cities, certainly they are still well down. It is kind of amazing. Some people have, have never stopped going into an office. Charlie Weinstein of Eisner Ramper, we appreciate you coming on talking about deals and return to work. Charlie, thank you very much. We'll see you again. Have a great day. Thank you, Brian. You too. All right, you're very welcome. All right, on deck, John Nigerian is here. He's going to lay out all the action he has seen in AMC, GameStop, and others. They soared yesterday. What are they going to do today, though? We're going to find out. Plus, your morning RBI on Big Tech's Big Run. And while history says we actually might get a pullback, yes, history says that. I'll tell you why. 
And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. It's called Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome back. Today's RBI is on big tech's big time run. Yesterday was historic because the Nasdaq powered across 15,000 for the first time ever. And that is its third thousand point gain so far this year. Remember, we started 2021 under 13,000. So look at this incredible run put together by the very smart folks at Bespoke Investment Group. All right, we have been crushing thousand point milestones with ease lately. Boom. Boom, boom. But here's what's random but interesting. History says we may have a little pullback now because Bespoke notes that in the history of thousand point headlines, there has only been one that the market didn't briefly trade back below. And that was the 6,000 mark hit all the way back in 2017. Every other time we broke a thousand point barrier, the market, maybe briefly, maybe for longer, did trade back below that milestone kind of, I guess, in other words, there's a 93% chance we're going to dip even slightly back below 15,000 one day soon, at least based on history. Oh, and this is even maybe more random. 6,000 is also the mark that took the longest to get through, 6,300 days or 17 years. Put that into perspective, it's taken the NASDAQ only 1,582 days, a scant four and a third years to go from 6,000 to 15,000. We will see if it's easy come, easy go this time. Random and hopefully interesting. All right, let's stay on the markets and your money and bring in John Najeri, Market Rebellion co-founder and a CNBC contributor. What'd you think of those stats? Probably don't mean anything, just a lot of numbers, John, but I mean, this market run has been just insane. Yeah, well, the uh, uh, coincidence of those happening time and time again is not too good, Brian. So I don't think it's coincidence. I think there is something behind it that people perhaps do want to take some profits when they see a thousand point jump in the NASDAQ. So we'll see what they focus on today. But uh, those are interesting stats. Yeah, 15,000 is no different than 14,992 or any other random number. But we're in the media and we're (laughs) simple. We like big round numbers. Let's talk about some big numbers with the so-called trader stocks, meme stocks, whatever you want to call them. What the heck happened yesterday afternoon? Why did they just, like someone threw gasoline on them? Yeah, exactly right. And these stocks had sort of been laying low for a while. Um, But the meme stocks certainly were back yesterday, Brian, and in big numbers, the sort that uh, Robinhood really appreciates because so many of those traders trade through that. Uh, particular trading app. So, for instance, AMC. Um, stock was up 20% yesterday, and they were buying, I think, 30,000 of the uh, 45 calls that expire this Friday. Um, so, obviously, a very short-term bet, but nonetheless, a big bet, 30,000 of those calls. And uh, again, since these stocks hadn't exactly been on fire lately, uh, it was all about uh, a comeback. For these meme stocks, GameStop, same thing. GameStop was up huge. It didn't have as big a options volume um, as AMC, but it certainly had a very strong move. And then you kind of look over it, well, what else are people buying um, maybe that was beaten down? And I bet you can't guess what that might be, Brian. (laughs) 
Chinese internet stocks like Alibaba. I, I watch CNBC, John. Yep. Yeah, I know. You host CNBC, and you're exactly right. Um, the Chinese internet stocks, you know, PDD, uh, JD, Billy, Baba, these are all stocks that had just been slammed. And we talked about them with you and some of your guest hosts uh, recently that uh, there were big bets placed over the last three weeks, I guess, that these stocks would go lower and that China would continue to fight uh, against these companies. And they had. Uh, these stocks were down. You know, you look at five day graphs. They basically bottomed maybe last Thursday, Brian, and then they started coming back and coming back strong. So those that I named, uh, JD uh, was up, uh, what, uh, 14%, and they were buying the August 75 calls. Uh, they were big buyers of Alibaba, uh, basically for the last four days as well. And, you know, just take your yeah. pick. I'm sure some of the uh, ETFs that cover it were also pretty hot. Yeah, but look at it, J, you know, JD is at 74 and 68, and they're buying 75 calls for August. That's, that's pretty much all she wrote. I, I guess we got to look for the next options trade. Yeah, uh, probably. Um, and there have been a bunch of uh, really strong trades in EVs. So maybe some of those companies like NEO, like Fisker, like Lucid, um, are about to similarly make these big moves, Brian, because there was building volume in those names uh, over the last couple days as well. The moves just weren't as exaggerated as the ones I just described. No, certainly. And is there anything, before let you go, John, quickly, is there anything you can point to from a news perspective that would have lit off all this new interest in GameStop, AMC, and others? I mean, it literally, I couldn't find a trigger. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, it really did. Uh, and the usual, you know, there was chatter on the message boards like Reddit and Twitter, uh, but there was not uh, a significant upgrade or news event that would have caused these kinds of moves. No. John Ajarian and Market Rebellion looking at the meme stocks, looking at the Chinese Internet stocks, which all literally all almost at the same time yesterday it was truly a remarkable run. John, we appreciate you getting up early for us, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. And with that, another Worldwide Exchange is in the books. I'm off tomorrow, hosting the halftime show on Friday. But futures, they're up once again. NASDAQ above 15,000. We'll see if the meme stocks and tech stocks can continue their record run today as well. Futures, they are higher. Hope you have a great day wherever you are. Squawk Box is next. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.